Welcome to the Christina Talks podcast. So another episode, another interview. Um, this is going to be an interesting one. This is a guy that knows his numbers, or at least I would hope he does. But um, sometimes you come across people in business that are they really know their stuff, but they just behave quite differently to um, the, the, the the standard person that that would normally do that role. They've got a different outlook. So. Um, yeah, this this should be quite an interesting conversation. Hi, Christina. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing, Nishi? Welcome to the Christina Talks podcast. Oh, yeah, it's really good to be here. Yeah, it's, uh, I've, I've been watching a few of these um, online. I, I, I've just been in and out of them. But yeah, you've got some really good guests on them. Some interesting... Uh, <laughs> plus you. Plus you. Yeah, some in- interesting people, the interesting stories, interesting viewpoints. Oh, amazing. Okay, so, yeah, um, yeah and... I, I just did a very, very brief intro and I kind of said, you have a, a different approach to business, different mindset around things compared with a lot of people that do what you do. I, I guess I do. Yeah, it's. Um, yeah. So, well, but no one knows what you do yet. So give us the intro very quickly. OK, yeah. So um, we're an accounting firm, but what we really specialise in is supporting businesses with their cash flow management and getting their pricing right. And that is so important at the moment because businesses are short on cash and they're not charging enough. So um, that's where we really focus. Fantastic. So, um, Nishi, you have the, the reason I wanted to sort of have the conversation is that you've got a podcast yourself. Um, you like yes. from, a mar- from a marketing perspective, you market yourself quite differently to a lot of accountancy practices, okay? And you're, the, the kinds of things that you talk about when you are marketing yourself is, um, for me, ticks all the boxes. But it's quite a different approach. So tell us the story of how things have, you know, what were you doing when you first started the business? How were you marketing things then versus the stuff you get into now? Yeah, um, how long have we got? <laughs> as long it's, as we need no, we'll edit we'll out the dull bits oh uh, yeah okay I'll be as uh, concise I'll be really concise um, I started my business um, in 2014 and um, I was kind of a bit sick of the rat race I wanted my own freedom and when I started the business I was I really just wanted to be more of a freelancer just working by myself working the way I wanted and then um, and you know I thought like on day one I, I was going to start landing clients so I just started going to shops handing out my business card and stuff but I was like so shy I couldn't really explain myself and then um and then it probably took me six months to get my first client um I and I just I look back at it and cringe <laughs> mm-hmm. um and then um but essentially like uh, after a while it, what was really working for us was like direct mailing um so I'd like handwrite envelopes with like let, printed letters in saying hey be I'll be your accountant and then afterwards I, I hired someone I, I didn't have much in saving but I took but I, I was so terrible at cold calling um I just decided hey I'm going to use whatever I've got left I'm just going to hire someone and um that actually worked out they they started getting me my first few clients and while I was saving time but I had to cold call people I, I was actually start writing blogs and then that was the days when it was easy to like just rank up in Google so um, we we started um, increasing our rankings in Google and and on SEO. I bought loads of black hat um, SEO software and tried to hack the system. Um, sometimes and it it kind of worked. So um, but it, all the stuff that wouldn't work today. And um, and and then 
you know, really, I've always tried to have my three-month marketing plan, my six-month marketing plan, my year-long marketing plan. So my three-month plan back then was um, direct mail and telemarketing. Um, my six-month plan was really SEO, and my one-year plan was networking. And um, that, that's the combination that I used for the first seven years of the business. And um, and then really, to, to add to that, we um, I, I started doing pay-per-click stuff on, on Google AdWords and to supplement it. And that's pretty much what we did for about seven years. We, we stopped the telemarketing quite early on after about a year because we just we were just running out of data. Um, and but then, we, we, yeah, so we had those. And then about two years ago, we changed our model quite a bit. So we were more of a traditional accounting firm. But then... Um, because then we start focusing on a lot of the cash flow planning, a lot of the um, uh, a, a lot of pricing support and profitability support. It was something that um, we had to really create the market for because it wasn't when people were googling accountants, they wanted a tax return done. They didn't really want um, a cash flow plan. So what what I found was, in fact, um, a lot of the traditional marketing methods we've used to grow the firm and get to the point where it was, they weren't getting us the kind of clients that um, we we needed like you know for the new model and um so what what i did was i did de-invested in them and then um hired marketing people so at the moment we've got two marketing people in the business and we just focused on creating content and um and creating content stuff it was i i've always envied what you do like on on your um on your stuff and but i I just never saw it applying to us and we i gave it a go for about six months and just didn't get very far on it and then but I knew that was there was no way back so I doubled down on it so um and and we did even more content and actually the in that first six months where we just weren't getting anything we were only creating like a piece of content or a couple of pieces of content a week um so I changed that and said okay we're going to do two a day and that's when things changed um, so getting, going from that weekly video to that daily video, um, getting things like that, we, going from like a monthly podcast to a weekly podcast, it, it, it makes a huge difference. Just um, obviously it's a lot more work, but um, you, the, the actual benefit of doing that is um, disproportionate to the amount of work that we're putting in. But this is this is the thing, right? That, so anything that we do marketing wise, I always say like the results you get today are they're the benefit of what you put in place six months ago you know from a marketing perspective it's not you do it today you get the results today there's there's always going to be at least six months before you see the result and this is the problem because so many business owners and I don't think it's even about the size of business it's sometimes it's it's just people in that leadership decision making position and they kind of do right well I've done six months haven't got anything or sometimes they do six days and they the attitude is I haven't got you know it's cost me money Exit. Yeah. And and this is a problem because people look at marketing as a cost rather than an investment. Yeah. Uh, So I've got a business coach, uh, Amanda, uh, Amanda C. Watts. She's amazing. She only works with accountants. But um, uh, six months in, I was just like, this isn't for me and um, and you know, she's the one that's been giving me the pep talks talks the whole time. She was the one that said, it's because you're not doing enough of it or for long enough. And, and you know what, I, I trust her and she, and she, she just kept me going with it. And then eventually we got to a point where I was getting those first wins. And then that gave me the motivation to then keep going and double down and, and, and really hit it. We've, you know what, there's two marketing people in our business, plus me, plus our accounting team. But 
I think the way we've leveraged software and, and all the technology and the systems out there, we're probably doing the work of maybe four marketing people. Um, Dripify on LinkedIn is just one of the best for me, actually. It's like it, the, the way it, it can expand our connections. I've always, I've always had the same, like, you know, with my, when it comes to marketing, if a tree falls over in the forest and there's no one around to hear it, it doesn't make a sound. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's the approach I take with, with our marketing because it's not good enough just to create content and create posts. You've got to be connected to people to, for them to see them. So like we take, we put as much effort into creating content as we do into growing our following, like connecting with people, adding friends, um, and, and get, getting that. We, we haven't got it. We still want to, there's things we can do much, much better. And we're, we're in the process of doing them. Um, definitely lots of untapped stuff but um yeah like especially with dripper file on linkedin like we went from you know 400 relevant connect- connections to about 1800 relevant connections in a year so that's that's an extra 1400 people who could be potential clients mm-hmm. like just viewing our stuff and and you know part of our whole customer avatar process is like you know let's un- let's understand who we're really trying to help let's understand what kind of pain they're in let's make sure we're talking about that pain um, let's make sure we understand what problems we solve. Let's make sure we talk about the problems. And then and just remember people by people. So talk about our team, talk about us. Um, don't, it, not, not everything has to be about accounting. Mm. I think the, the thing with content creation as well is the fact that, yeah, people see it as this like real, this huge task and it's going to, you know, create in video. They've got lots of anxieties around that. They, find themselves in situations where they're like they're they're trying to do something trying to sort out the tech and they're not getting it they're getting frustrated um but you know sometimes it is it's a a a labor of love right but there's probably times where you've been creating trying to create content trying to like get that video shot or whatever and you're just like wanting to flip the desk you know you've had enough like that's it no more so can you think back to sort of, you know, are there, are there any stories, if you like, around sort of moments where you've just like got to that point of frustration with it? Yeah, I, th- I think paper clicks, definitely, um, definitely one. Last year, I, I wasted quite a lot of money on um, on paper click stuff. Um, we, you know, the, the the dream is you build a funnel, you have an awesome lead magnet, people give you their email addresses, and then they buy the next thing, then they buy the next thing, then they buy, then they take a big ticket item. But unfortunately, it never quite works out like that. And we've been, although I'm sure there's a way to make it work, but the, the reality is we, we've been, I've been struggling with that, with that for ages. I've spent tens of thousands of pounds on it. Um, I've, I've, I came, but that's the bit that really got me down about marketing because the, the amount, of money that we wasted trying to get it to work and um but the thing that's but i know it does work because i i've bought stuff on the other side where i saw that lead magnet and then got pushed into that other thing and then saw that other thing and then ended up paying like loads of money for for the full full-on service so if if it works on me i know it work on other people so mm. that's the sort of holy grail that's kind of eluding us that's always eluding us but the other side of it is just the, the volume of content creation we're doing and the number of people we're connected with, um, our, our call to actions, they are attracting customers. So, yeah, it, I think I, I've kind of put the whole um, the funnel thing on hold, although we do have a rudimentary funnel, but that's got to be the hardest one. The second hardest one bit is just like hiring marketing staff, well, hiring any staff, but hiring marketing staff and 
I don't think it was necessarily their fault, but I, I've, I've, it's taken me a long time to build our marketing processes out, like our marketing routine. And in the past, we've hired people for, for those roles. And because we didn't have a strong marketing routine and a strong training program behind it, we probably didn't get the best out of them. Whereas now we know what works. We know what we've got to consistently do. And that is, um, and that is getting some results. So it was, th- those are the two things that, like, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, we had we hired marketing people, and then they left, and we hired another one, then they left. I'm like, uh, should I just stop hiring people? It's using up loads of my time, resources, and and. But then I was like, no, we have to do this. Um, I think part of it is ultimately, I I started seeing part of my job in the business, I, although I own the business, but I do have a role in the business, and I think my role at the moment is the marketing director. Um, the, the team are doing a great job on uh, a lot of the accounting stuff, although I, I'm still involved in the advisory stuff on that. But um, now I view my role as the marketing director. It means I've, I've got to do it to the same standard I'd expect my team mm-hmm. to do their roles. And that's that's made me look at it in a different light. And, um, and, I, and that's where we've been getting our success, I think. Yeah. Do you know that... It- I think that happens in a lot of businesses. You're kind of, you're you're there on the tools, your hands are dirty, you're doing the work, but then actually when this stuff s- starts to work and the results are in, the team builds and, and you do end up, you know, not doing the thing that you started the business to do in the first place because you're caught up yeah. doing like the marketing stuff or all the other roles. Um, and sometimes that can, there's something else I'm involved with at the minute where I'm I'm having to, you know, get back and look at landing pages or write email campaign you know in that business there isn't someone I can delegate that to yeah you know, I'm having to having to literally write the emails myself and I remember was sitting there looking at the, the the laptop thinking I don't actually remember how to write an email like how am I going to start it you know it, and but it, it's been really refreshing getting back to that stuff but did, I mean have you found it's there's been like a you've had to have a mindset shift to be able to kind of go like hands off the the day-to-day job of being the accountant to put your focus on this yeah I I mean to be fair I've kind of been hands off for a while but I I still do the bits I really like I do like client advisory stuff I do like cash flow stuff um and I, I do a lot of that and um and wherever a team member can't do something I do get involved but um with with the marketing I think it's a temporary thing like my I'm 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 more of an interim marketing director because my, my plan is just to build the processes out well enough that we can actually promote some to a marketing manager within our firm. And, um, and then they, they can keep that going. Um, because this, once we got that routine in place, it's, um, it, it's, uh, I think it will be there forever. So, um, yeah, I, I want to, I do want to in the long term get back to just focusing on accounting and advisory. Um, uh, but it's sometimes you just got to be whoever your business needs you to be. Um, and you know what? The I, I could t- tell you a couple of things where I, which one thing that really makes me want to continue building content. And the other thing that I should have mentioned earlier when we were talking about things, I was really frustrated with. Like it's so tempting just to hire business development managers and, and salespeople in a firm, but it's 
it, it's too it's too good, right? If you if you can get a marketing a salesperson for like you know thirty grand a year, you're doing amazingly well. Um, but more likely, if you want to if you want to get a salesperson, a good quality salesperson, it's going to cost you more like fifty at least. And salespeople are some of the most expensive people you can really get in the business. Plus, they take they've got such a large setup time. Unless you bring them in, they've already got connections. And then on top of that, like I think about the average person salesperson stays in a role for like a year. Um, so I've I've been down this road and trying to trying to not worry about the marketing, just saying, hey, I could I could just get someone to hammer the phones and then um, woo people and get them to become clients. It's I've done it. We've hired like three or four salespeople and it never worked out and it cost me a ton of money. Um, and but with marketing, like you know. When we're doing pay-per-click stuff, someone will pick up the phone to us and say, "Hey, I just want to quote on a tax return." I'm like, uh, should, "Should we have? Should we meet up? See what you need?" And they're like, "No, I just want to quote on a tax return." Now, when we're getting people coming in who've been watching our videos and um, absorbing our content, they're like, they don't. Up half the time, they don't even ask what it costs, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's and that's. Yeah, so it's not just the volume of leads; it's just the caliber of people that we get to talk to through through that marketing process, and that that's what really drives me forward to to actually push ahead and do it. But it's not marketing is not my long term role in the business; it's just something someone I have to be right at. Yeah. Um. So something I get asked a lot is around, you know, basically, you know, the the budgeting for marketing. Mm. Okay, so there's stuff out there like you know, you should, there's some things that say you know, ten percent of revenue should be your marketing budget, twenty percent of revenue should be your marketing budget. You should expect yeah. this return, that kind of thing. But I always feel like it's not as black and white as that. I think maybe maybe in the yeah. more traditional approaches, things like direct mail, etc. Maybe then yes, but I think from a content marketing perspective, it's very mm. difficult to look at it at that way. I think there's two ways to answer this question. Um, firstly, I like I know it sounds like a tangent, but if you bought a house, you got to live in it for ten years, and then you sold it for what you bought it for, would you would you be happy enough with that? No. Okay. All right. But that I guess with marketing, really, you you spend money on marketing, your business gains value, and then one day you might sell your business, and you'll get back all the money you spent on marketing. But you got to live in your business for, for those ten years. Mm-hmm. And you got to you got to take money home every year. So, it, when you say marketing is an investment, I, I guess it's not. It's definitely not a cost because if you, the only time marketing is a cost is if you've got no way to generate repeat business or referrals from the the people that you you gain. But actually, if you've got someone who's going to take up the subscription and pay you every month, then that adds to the value of your business so actually it's, it's no different from buying a brick and putting it in a house um or getting um getting some foundations dug um and that's the way i look at it so the, the other side of it is like I, I can give you an example from the accounting world right if you um if i wanted to go out and buy an accounting practice and uh, that was generating 100k of turnover a year um, the, the conventions in our industry is you pay um, you pay about a hundred thousand pounds for that. You know, one pound for one pound of recurring fee income a year, and I'd pay a hundred thousand pounds of that. And then thirty percent of those clients would leave anyway because they'd be like, "Hey, I don't like being sold. I don't want to deal with a new accountant." So you, you'd end up with seventy clients. Uh, sorry, seventy thousand pounds 
of recurring income that you paid 100k for so it's a 1.4 relationship so you're you i could spend one pound 40 on that income which i'll get today or i could spend maybe 60p generating it and um so that's a better deal than buying it it is the, the only thing is like there'll be a period of time up to when I, I gain those clients where I'm paying for marketing, which, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately it's better value than going out and buying a business. It's just, you've got to be a bit more patient, patient with it. But, um, I, I think, I think that's the way people are going to look at it. Like in their industry, if they wanted to go buy a business and, and the amount of clients that they want in their business, you know, at the end of the year or in two years time, how much would they have to pay for it? And then if they can get, if they if they can do the marketing and get you know get it for ninety percent of that or eighty percent of that, they've still they've still generated better value. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't agree with the ten percent rule because I think it's just too industry specific. Whereas, do you know? And, and there is and there's things that you things you will do marketing wise that are yes, there is an invoice to pay today, but it's you know you've got like three years, four years, five years of leverage in that thing that you've created i mean that the stuff we've created that we've had for probably about eight years Mm. that you know every couple of years it just needs to polish up yeah but when we first created it yes there was you know cost investment time investment yeah Um, and and this is the other thing as well people you know when they look at their p l and they see the figure on that on that marketing line they, they just think about the cash that's gone out yeah. So sometimes they'll like you know I'll have people come I'll have people come through they look at the uh you know the the fee for outsourcing their marketing activity and they're like oh, that's a crazy amount that's a huge amount of money because what the, the, what they're comparing it to is just that figure in their P and L. Yeah. They've not actually factored in the their time. You know, so it's the figure is for the software they've used perhaps or yeah. you know the the you know, the one or two things that, that they have purchased, but they've not actually factored in any cost of their time where they've been doing that rather than doing other revenue generating activities. Or, um, you, you know, just, it. you know, there, there's the, what's the phrase about penny tasks and pound tasks, 10 pound tasks and 10 penny tasks, whatever it is, right? All right, okay, yeah. So it's like sometimes like content creation, creating the videos, absolutely, you know, podcasting, absolutely that needs to be us. But there's other yeah. things that happen marketing-wise that it's like anyone in the anyone in the business can do, they just need to happen. Mm. And so, like I said, I, I don't think people always consider the cost of their time or the cost of their team's time in what they're doing when, when they look at what, what the figure is they're actually spending on marketing. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's, I mean, a director really should be making six figures a year. And um, what that tells me is really, they need to be making about 600 quid a day. Um, and and that's what their time's worth 600 a day at the very least. Um, and, and yeah, and that, that's, that's what they've got to be aiming for. So if they can outsource something for less than 600 quid a day, um, or, or they can get better results than they could do doing themselves because someone's got more expertise in that area, then that that's a win for them. Um, and I think one other thing people got to realize is you, you, that LinkedIn profile, it doesn't belong to my business. It belongs to me. Let's say 10 years down the line, I, I want a career change. I, I can, I just have to stick a post on, 
on on LinkedIn and say, hey, I'm looking for something different now. And this is what I'm looking for. And then I've built up all, all these connections. It, it is, it's an asset. Yeah. Um, and if, you know, people are worried about finances and how they're going to pay for the future and how they're going to retire, like th- there is no no better security than a qualification and um, and your network. And that that's why I, I pay the Chartered Institute of Management Accountants like ridiculous amounts of money every year just to have some letters behind my name but no sorry they might watch this um but the, the, <laughs> it's and not just that to be part of an excellent institute um but the the point being though is it, that and the linkedin and, and what maybe one day my kids might need a job or they might want to get into a particular career and I, I, i've got those i've got those contacts so it's not that the business generating um, the primary purpose was to generate business, but actually the secondary purpose is I've built up an amazing asset and I think it'd be worth that asset would be worth way more than I've paid to build it. Do you think the fact you've got that that attitude around it is because I mean you are very growth minded anyway, aren't you? We've we've had this conversation um between us before. Not everyone yeah. think not everyone thinks in the same way as we do, do they, Nishi? No, they don't. No, well, I, I, yeah, we, we've had this conversation. Now. No, definitely not. Um, they, they don't. And I, but you know what? We've also said like you know we've got to surround surround ourselves with the right people. And I and end up I have been surrounding myself with more people that do think like this. And it's it is it's it's the only way to think because actually, unless you were born like fifty years ago and you just got into you, you got lucky with property and so i know that's um it's not it's not that simple but property was something people did way back and they could make loads of money off it's different now the property is is an, a different way to make money but th- th- there's this new gold rush and it is the it, it is all the social well i know social media has been around for a while but all the new types of social it's, media it's new- content creation is is the gold rush it's, it's social media is the is the vehicle i guess but yeah, it, yeah. it's it is content creation all day long the podcast I, the amount of people i'm inviting on podcasts that have never been on a podcast before and th- that tells me actually this there's not that many podcasts out i know there's thousands but it, it's something people actually engage and consume and it hasn't been overdone. So it, I, I, like to, I like to compete where other people aren't competing because that's where you get your biggest gains. And um, there, there, there's a, a lot of people out there networking, and I, I network definitely. Um, there's a lot of people out there paying for pay-per-click stuff, and and that's an expensive way to do things, although I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to find a really efficient ways to do it. But... Um, this, this is an area of content creation where there's less competition and so you get a better audience and you get more att- uh, attention. Well, well, th- well, this is the thing. The more time someone spends with you, the more they trust you. Yeah. So it, it is, you know, people listen to a podcast. They'll, you know, uh, by the end of this, you know, what would be 45 minutes an hour maybe, um, yeah. you know, probably, yeah, probably 45 minutes per time it's edited down. So someone listens to this episode who's never met yeah. you before. And 45 minutes in, they now feel like they know you on a certain level. They, they get an, they've got an idea of who you are. They, not everyone's going to like you, right? You know, it's, um, I know I've said this to you before, your best piece of business advice I've had is like 20 people like you, 20 people that hate you have a room out of a hundred. The rest don't, they, they just don't care, you know? And, and, and there, there is that some people listen to this, but 45 minutes. Yeah. We've got their attention. 
they're 45 minutes to closer to trusting you. And some of those people will just, they'll be reaching out straight away, diving straight in, like, Nishi, come and help me. Yeah. And, and I think this this is where the benefit is. If you think about, I mean, like networking, mm. okay? There are some really good networking opportunities out there. I, yeah. There are events I go to, there are rooms I hang out in, where the caliber of people is like, is crazy high. And um, I feel like a very, very, very small fish. But that's not your regular networking. You know, there's there's a lot of sort of the regular networking where not a lot happens. You actually don't, you, although you might be with these this group of people for two or three hours, you're not really getting to know them because it's all so structured. So you, you're not getting to know the person. Yeah. I, I mean, with, with networking, I, I've actually rejoined BNI um, because I was, I, I kind of, I did miss it quite a bit. And um, I'm in a really good group now and, and it fits well with school drop-offs and pickups and stuff. But it's, uh, one thing I've always learned about networking is it's not what you do in the meeting, it's what you do after it. Mm. And ultimately, and it's, it's really possible to, network without having to go to networking groups because you, you just need you, you just need a handful of really good contacts who will refer you and and all you d- need to do is nurture them but the social media stuff works so well because it's all about staying front of mind so you know we, we have like a cadence process in our business so when we um, meet the right kind of people through networking or through any you know through introductions we make sure we connect with them everywhere so like wherever they go they where they will see us Mm-hmm. So it, there's um, and and that that's been a really important part of like getting referrals from networking, just making sure that people see you every single day. Do you think people are nervous of asking for referrals? Because it's one of the key ways of building your business, isn't it? But it's when you talk to people like, have, you know, what's your referral strategy? Yeah, um, and more often than not, it's like nothing. Um, I. Yeah, I think I think people are uncomfortable with it, but it's the only way you've got to do it. But the other side of it is, if if you're absolutely convinced you've got the right solution for the right people, then you know, by asking for that referral, you're actually doing that other person a favour because they they get to recommend someone who's going to really help their friend, and um, that that's that's good for their own credibility, and that's the way people got to look at it. And and you know, I've, I've been talking to some really successful people recently and um you included uh, and and one one of the things one of the main parts of that conversation is uh, marketing is important but you, you've got to spend exactly as much time focusing on your offering and improving your offering because there's you you there's no amount of hype that you can create that will override um a weak offering and so we, this is something we're we're actually very aware of. Like you know, I'm, I'm I'm closely monitoring the amount of effort and time we put into marketing and making sure we match that with um, with uh, uh, improving improving our, our solution for for these small businesses. So um, that that's a really important part of it. And because we, I, I'm, I'm confident that we spend so much time and effort improving that solution, I've got no problem asking for a referral because I know I'm going to do a better job for that person than other accountants who haven't spent that time and investment in um in uh improving their offering and and also sorry just one more thing one of the reasons we're not just about doing accounts and tax work we're about helping people become more profitable but running a business they really want to run and part of that is we we have to show some leadership 
if I, I don't have the right to tell a client to improve their marketing if they can't see that I'm doing it to the very best standard possible. Yeah, but, you know, it's um, it's accountability at the end of the day, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it, it's leadership and it's accountability, one hundred percent. Um, you when it, you, you always say you think I'm successful. That's very lovely of you. Um, do you think you're successful? I, I think so. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm in a, I'm at a place where I don't feel I can lose, but I don't think I'm mega rich. Um, I, but I do. I do have a great team behind me. Um, Family-wise, I'm, I'm in a good place. Um, I, I have a nice house. Um, I go on nice holidays. I, I, but the most important thing is I'm in a position to help the people I care about. Like if, if people, like one day when my children want to follow a dream and they can't necessarily make it happen by themselves, like I've, I've, I mean, I've got a daughter with learning difficulties and she's... I, I'm, I'm very aware that I might have to compensate for stuff that she can't always do herself in the future. And, and I might have to create opportunities for her, which she might not be able to. Um, although I'm sure she will catch up by then. She, she's young. But uh, but the, the point being, though, is other people, you know, that I care about and if they need an opportunity and, and I've got I've got that reputation and I've got that connect those connections. then I feel I'm in a confident place to help people that that do need it. And that, in my opinion, is is one of the reasons I started out. And I think I'm in a place where I've achieved that. So it's not just about the money, but all those other things would um, allow me to say yes. Good, good. Because you always kind of say, and, I, and I'm, I'm saying this because I know I'm guilty of it too. It's like we've, we've always, like we said, you you know, it's who you surround yourself with. You sound your, if you surround yourself with a bunch of losers, you're, you're, the extra loser, loser in the circle, right? So we, we, yeah. we're looking for people to hang out with that are going to help us get to that next level. Um, yeah. Sometimes that means a bit of a shift in terms of you don't leave people behind, but maybe they just don't stay with you. And that can be quite tricky. Yeah. I think that it's a being really clear on where you're going, why you want to be there, like really coming back to your values is uh, is an important thing because it's like, it's not, it, I'm not talking about like, you know, who you're going to go with to the pub with on a Friday night. Yeah. I'm thinking more about your, you know, there are like old school friends where our lives are just completely mm. different because, but it's yeah. values are completely different as well our beliefs around the world about the world are completely different. And then it gets a, um, like I said, you, you need to find the right people so you can have those conversations, feel fulfilled, but also get to that next level again. Yeah. Was it Stephen Bartlett who said like, you know, if, if you're really growing, you should always feel like an imposter in the group of people you're, you're in. And I, I agree with that. Like, you know, when, when I'm in the right group of people, I'm like, do I deserve to be here? Who knows? Just, just act like someone who does. And and then eventually you stop acting and you become it. And um and that's and then but the other side of it is whenever you're in a group of successful people, you've always got to be aware of what you're meant to be bringing to the table. Um, like this whole thing is you're only an average of the five people you surround yourselves by. Well, 
ultimately, why would people at the top of that average want to hang out with people at the bottom of that average? So it's, uh, and I think we were talking about this before, you know, you, you don't have winners and losers in that average. You just have people who are stronger in certain areas and other people that are stronger in other areas. Like I've, I've got friends who are who aren't great at business or earning money, but they're like, you know, Ironman triathletes. And I'm like, okay, I can hang out with them because actually they're passionate about something and they they show a level of excellence. And then I've got friends who are, are really out of shape, but they're great at business. And then I'm like, okay, well, if I hang out in a group with three of those guys, then actually everyone there belongs in that group because they they do excel. And um and that that's that's kind of the way I look at it. And but I think that comes out to diversity as well, doesn't it? In what sense? So um like if you've if you've got a group of people where everyone is just a business owner, then and they're all good at the same thing, then you'll have some people that are better than others, which means that whole law of the averages won't necessarily work. Whereas if you have a group of business owners or or other people who are good at different areas, like someone might be great at marketing, but not great at finance. Some might be really good at finance, but not great at sales. And then by coming together, you're all excellent at something, um, but not great at something else. And um, so as, and you become an average of the thing everyone is excellent Mm. at, really. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a bit like a mastermind scenario. Everyone's sort of round the table. People, you get a group of people with different skills together and everyone helps everyone. Um, I mean, I, I love that concept. I I go and seek out those kinds of situations because it is, I always, I always think that whatever we're doing, if I'm in a circle of people, I'm happiest when I know I can help people. Yeah. But there has to be balance, right? Because you if you know, if you're the person that's constantly helping everyone, eventually you'll get to a place where there'll be a level of toxicity in that, level of resentment perhaps. And yeah. it doesn't matter, you can be the most giving person. So you need to be in a in a scenario where there is opportunity for you to give, but you're also comfortable enough to and vulnerable enough to be able to ask for help as well. Yeah. I, I think I think that's really important. Like if you, yeah, the toxicity I totally get. People don't want to be helped out all the time. They want to be the ones helping as well, and um, and that's actually why. Yeah, and I think that's when the the mastermind um, sort of format it does work well because everyone everyone gets an opportunity to really use their strengths. Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree with that. What's are you in a mastermind at the moment? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm in a um I'm in a couple of masterminds. Okay. Um which are I mean like you know, one of them, Fortitude, is you know, we meet four times a year for two days. All oh, right. Um, and the people around the table, you, you know, you've got um you know, people with businesses sort of similar size to us. You've got yeah. people that have, you know, had, you know, sold businesses for multiple millions, you've got um people just uh, couple of people just at the start really of their um sort of entrepreneurial journey let's say you've got people that are like that they 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 want they they're building a fast growth business but you've got people that are you know that they're running a lifestyle business yeah and it's really interesting seeing the different attitudes to you know something pops up and different viewpoints different attitudes to things but the central the central thing is every everyone is in that room because they want to collaborate, they want to share, they they want to grow, they want to yeah. they, they they want to do better. 
Yeah, so it's almost like you've got a culture within that group. Mm. And um, yeah, that's a, that's a really important one, I think. Um, yeah, I, you know what? I, yeah, my, mindset-wise, this is one of the reasons I kind of rejoined BNI because I was, I was in a place where I, my, my level of connections online were, were amazing, but actually like my, my physical connections were, were, were sort of diminishing. Um, it was sort of post-COVID. I, I, I used to network loads before, but then after COVID, I got to a point where I'd never re- restarted. And I, I think, um, but yeah, just, just trying to trying to meet, because you, you've got to meet, uh, you've got to kiss a lot of frogs, I guess, haven't you? Yeah. Um, so you, so I, I guess if you want if you want that core group of five people that you really want to surround yourself by, you, you might have to meet like, you know, a hundred people maybe. And But uh, yeah, that's it's definitely. I'm, I'm still, I'm still on my quest to do that. So if anyone watching this needs, uh, needs like a fifth person in in a just yeah, just look, look me up. But, um, yeah. So come on, that, okay, great. So let right. So let's create a profile then. So what what you're looking for? Yeah. Uh, I, I cook. I uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> don't because I'm literally. I've um. Uh, you know. I, again, we. You know, I I am privileged enough to have to have found um, some pretty awesome people that have become very dear friends. Um, but we were away last week, and it was like yeah. you know, I I was the one cooking every night. Oh um, yeah, yeah. There was one night someone else in the group cooked. Um, yeah, she cooked dinner, which was cremated toast. Oh right, okay. well, yeah. was that a Welsh rabbit, but uh, <laughs> yeah. actually. Honestly, it, it was it was really, really funny. But yeah, she cremated toast. Um it'd be even funny yeah. if she actually listens to this episode, um, because I will be in a lot of trouble. Sure. But it is when you find these people, because you've got the do you know what I love about it as well? All these people will hundred percent call me out. They'll have yeah. no issues telling me that they've got a different viewpoint. You you definitely need that. Um I, I think the other thing I, I think I'd need in my average is it's the positive mindset. It's um, there's so many people these days. It's just like the world's ending, the world's ending, um, and it's not actually. I, I'm looking at. I've been thinking a lot. This is might be one of the best times to be alive, live ever. Like they they just found a cure for malaria. Sorry, a vaccine for malaria. Can you imagine that? Mm. Um, yeah, and I. I can't remember which country, but they're testing it now. So I think the World Health Organization still got to um, approve it. But um, they're, they're not far off, um, again, the WHO to um, to approve that. But it's not just that. Like, you know, so many more cancers and diseases are, are, are treatable now. It's uh, But then even like 20, 30 years ago, if I wanted to open up an accounting practice, I would probably have had to sell my house to just buy a building or rent a building and and then um and I would have to join some sort of old boys club and club and just network in like really undiverse circle as I actually I'm gonna take that back. It's uh, I'm just making I don't know how what happened 30 years ago in terms of business, but I, I know now I can I can start a business from scratch with, with almost nothing like a actually, laptop I think, uh, yeah exactly a laptop and a phone um and and it's you know for, for our kids i think that that's an amazing that's an amazing world to live in um 
and actually, like all the people who don't, who have scarcity mindsets, let them because it just means there's more for us. Yeah. But I yeah, definitely yeah. need that in our group. Say again? Uh, I think I definitely need that in, in the group oh, yeah. of people I surround myself with. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it is that, it's funny, you know, the, the scarcity thing because um, a lot of people use it as a sales tactic as well. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was pitched something. Um, do you know what? If someone asks you to go on a call um, and it's like a group call and, oh, you know, my mate, whoever, is you know, he's going to come and talk to us. Yeah. Just, just question it first. Don't yeah. always be 100% trust, trusting because sometimes you find yourself jumping on a call to be pitched at when you haven't yeah. got the time. Um, and, and it was, you know, I, I, I was a little bit like, hmm, I wish this had been framed a little bit better. Yeah. Um, but it was funny because the guy on the call, he was, you know, he was talking about what he does, that kind of stuff. And um, <laughs> and then he was talking about you know, basically the, the program that he's got and all this sort of stuff. But there's, you know, there's only like, you know, my diary's full. I'm going to open up some spaces just for you, but I need to know by this time tomorrow, or you know, and it was, but it was such a, it would be such an honor for you to work with me. You've yeah. got to know that. And um, actually, you know, I think, but this whole scarcity thing, it's like, you know, it, well, we need to have a one-to-one call, but I'm so busy. I can only do that in the next two hours. Mm. And it's, you know, trying to build this thing yeah. of like, oh my God, if we don't jump now, we're going to miss out. We're never going to, never going to be able to work, work this guy again. And he's sort of going around the, it was on Zoom. He's sort of, the, there's only a few of us on there, sort of, you know, especially selected. Yeah. And um, it came to me, he was asking everybody, you know, why are you on the call? And they're all being really nice and polite. And he's like, why are you on the call? And I was like, well, to be honest, I've got no fucking idea who you are. My mate asked me to come on the call and I trusted her, so I turned up. And it was just, he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but this, you know, I was sort of listening to it and thinking just how dirty this scarcity mindset is. Yeah. How it's, damaging it is. It's, it's always been around, isn't it? It's, mm. But I guess... You know, there's there's things you can do, like there's things I do, right, to make sure I don't I'm jumping to that scarcity mindset. Like I always make sure there's cash in my wallet. Um, I always make sure the fridge is full. Um, and so like at work, we we buy our team food, but I just make sure I, I, I'm like, hey guys, don't let the fridge run out. Um, and th- then it's it's just th- there's loads of just things in your life where where you might run low on like. Buy, just buy more like I, I would keep having arguments with my wife because like we'll get down to the last like you know tin of formula and I'm like why don't we have another two tins of formula and uh, obviously I go out and buy them anyway but it's just like when she she goes to buy a formula she'll only buy one tin at a time I'm just like have like two or three there it's because uh, but th- there there is a lot I do around there and then I think the abundance side of it like I, I just I just think about you know for, for me to be happy and get my business to where I want it. I think about how many customers we need. And then I actually think about, you know, how many businesses there are out there. I'm like, I don't even need a percentage of those businesses. I don't even need a point, a percentage of those point, um, businesses. And you, you start putting things into perspective, like, um, and you, you really, it, it does, it does help. It, it does help you understand that actually things aren't running out. And, um, I mean, now we're potentially going to recession. So the, the scarcity mindset is 
is really kicking in. People are like, hey, next two years there's gonna be less of everything. We just gotta we gotta just batten down the hatches and um and, and save on our costs, try and survive the next two years and then then start growing again. But it doesn't work like that. You know, if you even if you're marketing, right? And if, if you go a week without marketing, you'll feel it for like a month. Yeah. Um and some some businesses their plan now is just go two years without marketing until mm-hmm. things start recovering. And they're, they're, they're going to be finished. Do you know what's mad? What's absolute, absolute madness is that we hit COVID, okay? Yeah. And so March 2020, everything goes to shit business-wise for a lot of people. And when markets came back, when yeah. those businesses, you know, for the businesses that did bounce back, the common thread was, the common denominator was the ones that survived, the ones that were okay, the ones that actually it didn't hurt so much were the ones that continued to market. The yeah. ones that, you know, the ones that folded, mm. the ones that had to completely recreate themselves as, as something new and had issues in doing that and are still not back where they were are the ones that turned the tap off when it comes to marketing. And yet we now find ourselves in a situation where people are talking about recession, what's the next couple of years going to look like, all of that mm. sort of stuff. And we've forgotten the lesson. Now, even the people that have, that have, there's people I've spoken to that, you know, they'll say to me, thank God, you know, it's because we carried on marketing that yeah. are now looking at turning things off. And I'm like, yeah. what are you doing? You've literally just seen the benefit of this. Yeah, it's, it's insane. But you know what? It's not just about marketing. It's about team, the size of your team, like, you know, in, in an ideal world, like we, we teach our clients, like, you know, you need 30% spare capacity in your team. Um, because if, if someone leaves unexpectedly, if someone um, is out of the business, um, if that 30% is there for your training and and get and your development, and you, you need that for emergencies. And a lot of businesses now, they'll, they'll say, okay, well, no, we, we can run at 100% capacity. We don't need any spare. But actually, then they're incredibly vulnerable. Um, to, to things going on and and it's you know I think having the team there is just as important as as the marketing because ultimately you can you can get a business in but if you don't if you don't have enough people to fulfill that so I know I'm kind of stating the obvious but um but actually like you know for for our growth you know, there's always been three aspects that we look at like the team to make sure we can handle the work that the solution to make sure it's the very best it can be and then the marketing to make sure people know about it and and you've got to do that in in, in a balance but in in my philosophy has always been like you know do what 99 percent of people aren't doing so like if if everyone i know starts talking about social media and and how great it is i'll probably shift over to something else um but at the moment mo- most of the people i know are skeptical about social media marketing and that tells me it's a it's a great place to be and mm-hmm. it's it's the same with um, if most businesses at the moment are cutting back on marketing and and, uh, and investment in growth. That's telling me now is the time to to double down on it. Like pay per click on Google, it's it's dropped. I, I know I was saying I, I, how much I hate paying Google, but the pay per click rates from like, recently I've checked and they seem to have dropped quite a lot. There's just like less competition for, for things. There's um, and I, I think I think when you know when you've got a recession, less people are marketing. You more people will notice you. If, yeah. if if all the crowds like disappeared, so um, this, this in my opinion, but it's it comes with sacrifices. Like marketing 
in our business, our marketing budget is quite substantial. Like you know, two marketing people and yeah. and all the, the software and everything else we're spending money on. The but you wouldn't you wouldn't be doing that if you didn't know it worked. Exactly. It's I, I'm. I have to look at it logically, right? If you had asked me nine years ago when I first started my business, I'd have nothing to go on. But I, I can't with straight face sit here today and say marketing doesn't work because I, I knew no one when I started out. I only got clients because of marketing. Um, I, I, and I, I've seen that. And, and the only, the only reason I've, I've ever failed at marketing and things haven't worked is because I, I, I pulled them away too early. Or I didn't give them the the attention they deserve or i skipped steps along the way and um and, and tried to cheat and just threw money at stuff whereas in reality you know money is a way to leverage marketing but you you've got to get the fundamentals right you've got to have the right message for the right people this is it it's all about it's something i teach all the time you know we've, we've got to have the foundations in place yeah the basics that basic structure if that's wrong you know, used used the house as an analogy earlier, but it's you know like it's like having the footings dug. You know, yeah. getting those getting those foundations in place. It is when you go and buy a house, it's mm. like you know site surveys and the rest of it, and you know mm. it's like that the first thing you check is that it's built on solid ground. So yeah. you know why would you why would you not take that approach with anything else? Yeah, you you got to start with your solution, and you got to understand who who is helping. Mm-hmm. And um, and then once you've got that in place, like yeah, there's no reason your, your marketing wouldn't work. But uh, yeah, I, my my thoughts on it are like you, you can only. I, I, I've got something I, I really do want to help people with, and um, so I, I do the marketing, but because I want people to know about that solution, so we can help more people. But also, as I mentioned earlier, it is a leadership point. If you know, for me, it's always been run the business as, as well as we can possibly run it. And then that that will inspire our clients to run their businesses better, and that that's um, so. There's a lot of alignment in in terms of what we do on the marketing and and all the other stuff in our business. So um, yeah, it, it definitely it def- definitely makes a lot of sense for us. But I think it makes sense for any business really. Um, and and just in general, like you know, when you sell a business, you get. I know not everyone wants to sell a business, but one day, like you know, they might want to sell their business because, uh, unless they want to run it forever, um, although they might get it to a point where it runs itself and they're happy just turning up. And but at some point, you know, yeah. if it's not them, if it's their kids or their grandkids, at some yeah. point, it's going to come to that, surely. Exactly. Exactly. And um, what that means is, like, you, if you've got the right customer base and you've got recurring revenue and the right kind of revenue, you're gonna, you're gonna, that's gonna increase the value of your business. But if you've got the right marketing funnels, that's gonna, that's gonna further increase the value of your business. So people are paying not just for the, the recurring business that your um, marketing generated, but they're paying for your marketing processes and systems in the first place, and they're paying for your marketing team in the first place that already know what they're doing. So that that in itself is is an asset. Um, so it does it does pay off in in multiple areas. Good. I might quote you on that and put it all over my website. <laughs> it's, yeah, actually, and then I'll reshare. <laughs> um, Nishi, thank you so much for your time. I think there's um, that uh, there's actually like probably three episodes worth of content in there, um, which is which is amazing. I, I mean, I, we always have really good conversations. Um, one last thing, obviously, we've talked a lot about what you you know what you've been doing, podcast videos, that sort of stuff. So if people do want to go and 
know, go and see what it is you're actually sharing. What is this content you've been working on? Where where are you going to direct them to? I would just go straight to our website because there's links to everything there. So um, naccounting.co.uk. So n-accounting.co.uk. Amazing. Perfect. Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs> and finishing <laughs> all north hands um, no, but, uh, yeah thanks for having me and um, I'll catch up soon <laughs>